0: Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16. We'll be reading verses 16 through 34. You can find that on your Pew Bible, the Red Book, uh, page 900. But before I read that, let's ask for the spirits working among us. Let's pray. Gracious God, open our ears to hear your word afresh. Teach us how to dance to the rhythm of your wisdom. Show us how to laugh with the insight of your truth so that we may live lives of praise fully devoted to you. Amen. Our scripture from Acts chapter 16. One day as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating for customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword "'and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. "'But Paul shouted in a loud voice, "'Do not harm yourself, for we are all here.' "'The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, "'he fell down, trembling, before Paul and Silas. "'Then he brought them outside and said, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved?' They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you walk down the stone steps, it's the smell that hits you first. The air seems stagnant and you begin to get whiffs of body odor, and of defecation. And as you descend farther, you begin to notice the trail of blood. Clearly, a prisoner could walk no further and must have been dragged the rest of the way to her cell. It gets colder the deeper you descend, and you finally reach the main corridor. As you make your way down the hall, your ears are flooded with a mixture of sounds. As you creep to the first cell, you're able to realize that the noise is a mixture of pounding and screaming. Chained to the wall, you see a man filled with rage. He's screaming and flailing, trying to break free, it seems, and you're able to make out the words he's screaming. As you stand there a bit longer, you hear, It wasn't me! Let me go! He's so angry, filled with so much rage. When he finally realizes that you're standing there watching, he lunges towards you yelling, Get me out of here! It startles you, soul. It startles you, and so you jolt down the hall. When you're far enough away from his cell you stop and calm yourself. Your heart is pounding in your chest. As you rest your back against the cold stone wall, you begin to distinguish another sound in the midst of the cacophony. It's the sound of weeping. No, it's, it's sobbing. As you walk a few more paces down the corridor, you come to a cell and you peer in and you see a woman in chains. But as far as she can go into the corner, she's balled up so small. But you see her shoulders continue to rise and fall as she tries to catch her breath in the midst of the overwhelming tears she appears so fragile, so broken, that you just want to go in and scoop her up to at least let her know that she's not alone. And when you almost get the courage up to speak, you are hit with the sound that seems so out of character for this place that you're drawn on from her cell. As you turn and walk, You almost want to pick up your pace because from down the hall, you're hearing, if you can believe your ears, the sound of singing. Yes, as you get closer, you realize it's not just one person, but there are two voices singing. As you make your way to this final cell, you realize now that it's the only sound you hear. It's not the fact that you left the crying woman and the enraged man behind. No, it appears that they too have heard the voices singing and have ceased their screaming and crying to listen. You peek in on that final cell and you see two men seated beside one another, chains around their ankles, As you take a closer look, you realize that their faces are swollen and bruised. It appears that they have taken a beating. And the one on the left, he must have been the one who could walk no further because his ankle is clearly broken. Their clothing is torn and stained with what appears to be their own blood. And yet, in the midst of this filth, In the midst of all this brokenness, they're singing. You stand in amazement because the words that come from their mouth seems to be the most shocking part. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. The one on the right seems to be slurring a little bit from the beating he took to the face, but that does not keep him from singing. Praise God above ye heavenly host. It's the most amazing thing because now you have begun to hear sound coming again from behind you. Back towards the entrance, it seems the man from the first cell has joined in. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Just then the earth begins to shake. This is what I imagine it might have been like in that holding cell in Philippi on the night our scripture told us about. If you've been here the past two weeks, you've picked up on a common theme here of stories from prison. My hope has been that as we have looked at these different accounts from the Bible of folks who have endured captivity, that we have been able to glean some wisdom that might speak to our own lives today. As we looked at Joseph's story, we were reminded of God's steadfast love and presence, even in the midst of our darkest times. Jeremiah's story challenged us last week to speak the truth even when it isn't easy, especially when there are great things at stake. And as we look at the accounts of Paul and Silas in prison this morning— I'm overwhelmed by their ability to praise in the midst of adversity. I think we have much to learn from these two who not only suffered captivity because of their work for God, but endured beating, mistreatment, and grave conditions. But I want to think back for a moment to that imaginary journey we just took. Because if I'm honest... Praising God is not my first nor my natural response when faced with adversity. Anger is often what I feel when I'm backed into a corner, when I feel that I'm being treated unfairly. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one. If you remember in the Old Testament, when Job is facing a grab bag of trials, his wife comes to him, And she tells him to curse God and die. That anger in the face of adversity seemed like a natural and justified response for Job's wife. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler saw this as a natural response for people who were grieving. I don't know about you, but for me, loss, especially of a loved one, is one of the deepest trials that I have experienced. Ross and Kessler outlined five stages of grief. You probably are familiar with those. And the second stage is anger. I'm sure you've seen it before. A person who blames their loved one for their own death, placing anger on them as a way of avoiding or dealing with that loss or the person who yells and screams at God because they feel like their loved one's death was unfair. Anger is natural in the face of adversity. And thankfully, God is big enough to hold us in those moments, even as we lash out, yell, and scream. The truth of Romans 8 is true even when our anger is directed at God because of the trials we face. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not even our biggest rage fest. But not all of us defer to anger when faced with adversity. Some of us retreat to sadness, sorrow, and despair. If this is how you respond to trials, know that you're not alone. There are 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, and of those, 40 of them are laments. People crying out to God from adversity. The scriptures show us that it's not uncommon to feel overcome with grief, with sadness in the midst of hardship. Our tears are often a gift from the Spirit, a chance to pause, to look inward, and to recognize our need for God's working and presence in our life. But I wonder, what might it take for me to be able to respond like Paul and Silas did when they found themselves in chains in that Philippian prison? How might it not only affect our ability to endure adversity, how might it impact those around us if we find ourselves in a place to praise from the midst of our trials? Maybe you remember the story of Ben Ellis, a Latin teacher from Nashville, Tennessee. His story went viral on Facebook thanks to Tim McGraw stumbling upon it and sharing it. Ellis had taught Latin at a private Christian high school for years, when he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. The cancer had progressed to such a degree that he had to take a leave of absence from school. In the midst of grueling treatment to try and curb the disease, Ellis posted this on his CaringBridge journal. God has anchored my soul to the firm hope I have in Jesus. And I'm praying for more days, not selfishly though. The truth is that these days are pretty tough. But I thank God each morning for another day of seeing him and allowing me to show his love to others. I ask more days, I ask God for more days to give him glory here on earth and to show Jesus as best I can to you. So moved by that post were several of the students and faculty of the school that they came together and asked to take the student body to Ellis so that they could worship together. 400 students plus faculty loaded the buses and flooded Ellis' lawn. Frail and worn down, he sat at an open window as the group sang songs of praise to God. When he was able, Ellis even joined in. It was a powerful moment for all of those present and for the millions who watched afterward. Because of his praise to God in adversity, others were empowered to do the same. When Paul and Silas praised God, something miraculous happened. Instead of running out of jail free thanks to the earthquake, they stayed where they were. They spoke words of peace to the jailer. Their testimony changed not only the life of the jailer, but of his whole household. Their praise had a ripple effect, and it was only the beginning. Nelson Mandela was 44 years old and the father of five young children when he was first sentenced to prison. He was imprisoned for conspiring against the state as a vocal leader in the cause of freedom in South Africa. Seven years into his imprisonment, Mandela wrote these words to his wife, Winnie. Remember that hope is a powerful weapon even when all is lost. When faced with adversity, when we feel that all is lost, may we too remember how powerful hope can be. May that hope based in a God who never leaves us and forsakes us Fill us in such a way that we too are able to praise God and experience that ripple effect. Maybe we be willing to acknowledge our hardship and yet also acknowledge the steadfast love of God. May our praises rise so that others are lifted out of their despair. May our praises rise so that others can face their trials knowing they are not alone. May our praises rise so that we can experience a little more of God's kingdom here on earth. Amen.